You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Freedom of movement, the right to privacy. Both are concepts you've probably thought about a little bit differently since the lockdowns and civil liberty intrusions that started in 2020. Even farther back, if you really think about it. Well, our friends at privacypost.io have you covered of something that you're probably going to want to know about if you value both of those things. Privacypost.io is a privacy-by-default virtual mail and business center designed for the location-independent, expat, an international entrepreneur community. Anyone seeking financial freedom should consider privacypost.io. Their services include virtual mail, a professional business address, privacy trust services, company formation, and a Portugal D7 residency and virtual domicile in the privacy-respecting and income-tax-free state of South Dakota. PrivacyPost.io protects you from third parties, overreaching government agencies, and complicit cloud-based platforms invading your personal, private, and business information. Privacy is freedom of association, expression, commerce, and mobility. Isn't it time you took it a bit more seriously? PrivacyPost.io is your partner in freedom. Go to PrivacyPost.io for more information today. yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. This is a spur of the moment episode. I had like three other planned episodes that uh, I could have gone with, but... I'm struggling to find the words. I could edit this part out, but I think it would take away from the tone in my voice. The music certainly doesn't help. That's what I love about doing this show. It's like cheap therapy where you get to talk to strangers, friends, enemies, all at the same time. I usually try and bring up serious topics, but not take myself ever too seriously. I mean, come on. Who could be mad at this music? I want this to be a fun show where we talk about serious things. I want this to be a show where you can chill out 
while thinking about the things that might want to worry you a time or two. Ah, screw it. I'm Remsa W. Martinez. Welcome back to another installment of On The Run. A couple house notes. If you're ever interested in purchasing ad space on the show, please reach out to me at Remso, R-E-M-S-O, at rwmartinez.com. We can certainly talk. Uh, We've been accepting advertisers for uh, the last couple months now, and uh, I think I'm comfortable with the idea of allowing more people to advertise on the show. So if you're interested in that, please go ahead and reach out, remso at rwmartinez.com. Secondly, we're numbering the show from now on. And uh, we're, we're going to do this just for, ho- just for you know, housekeeping to keep things orderly. Some of you like shows that do that. We do that over at Second Print Comics. So we're going to go ahead and do it here. Um, new installments of um, the Build You Better series will be starting up today's Monday. They, they will be starting up the following Friday. So that will be picking up at part six. So it will, you'll be able to see the differentiation from what the regular episodes are versus what the Build You Better series. Those will, those will be in parts as they've usually been, but that's coming back. I'm taking uh, care of it so we can get back on track with the Build You Better series. But uh, last week was titled uh, Post-Libertarian. I think that's episode 185. I don't, I don't have my notes from me. So just the last episode on your podcast feed, Post-Libertarian. This concept of people who value liberty above all things who have chosen to opt out of broken systems and broken promises by people who deliver false goods and broken products. Um, I can't put it simpler than that. I did a whole episode about it, post-libertarian. I was thinking, you know, some people are going to think, oh, you're so... You're so glum. You've always been so glum. I have to stop listening to you. Unsubscribe. You're just not optimistic enough. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I, I can't talk to people who, who have a childlike mindset of the world who are older than the age of, like, 10. If, if you have such a cheery view of the world... And I'm not saying don't be optimistic. I'm not saying don't be a happy person. I still consider myself a fairly happy-go-lucky person, but I'm not a person that pretends that things aren't the way they are. I don't think you have to be a complete asshole to to be a, a pessimist in some ways. I mean, I look at things more stoically, but you know, with, with, with all that to basically say, some of you are just hanging on because you like to tweet at me. You like to comment, oh, man, what's wrong? And it's just like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not here for you. I'm not. Because this show is closing on 200 episodes. We've talked about a lot of really awesome things. And we talk about a lot of serious things sometimes. And um, the, the big thing that we've tried to do is tried to get you to open your mind to a world of possibilities in which you need to see yourself as the main character of your own story. But sadly, a lot of you are still supporting Cass. Worse, you're backup. You're the guys that walk in the backgrounds that don't even get mentioned in the credits of the movie. Um, you're just there. And th- th- I, I, I can't help people like that. The, the post-libertarian episode was about one thing. It's about separating the people that want to go ahead and 
you know, follow through with another deliberate, insane action, because that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And the people that can look at more than 60 years of failure from third parties, from wonderkins politicians, from cultural messiahs, and just understand that nobody's going to save you except yourself. And this is the show for people that are going to actively take that side of their life, where they say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be the main character of my own story. I'm going to get myself out of this. And, and that's not just to say you live in a void. You know, I, I got into an argument one time with somebody at Liberty University. Uh, we were talking about, um, you know, at the time it was, uh, what, what, do you do, what do you do about terrorism, acts of terrorism? This was around the time of the, the Paris uh, Bataclan mass, massacre. This was when ISIS was still in, you know, uh, full, full crazy mode in the Middle East. And uh, ironically, I was the only soldier in, in my dorm at the time. And, um, you know, one, one, somebody was like, pray for the terrorists, you know, pray for them. Pray that they could go do things that, you know, can, can, make, can, can make amends for what they've done. And, you know, they, they, they can meet Jesus and they could do great things. And I was like, well, you know, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to pray for those people. I'm not saying don't, but what I am saying is that if given the opportunity, I think we should fucking kill them all. And they're like, how could you say that? I'm like, I genuinely hate ISIS. And they're like, how could you say you, you hate any human? I'm like, because I hate evil. It's like, well, you, you shouldn't hate. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. To, to fall into blind hatred in which you can't tell the difference between a rational decision and one that's irrational is one thing. But to not say you don't hate anything is, is a lie. You know, you look at yin and yang, for example. How can you identify the existence of one without the other? Keanu Reeves, he did, a, he did an interview of Drew Barrymore. Ironic, I know, I'm bringing random celebrity stuff into this. Um, they are talking about whether or not he was a lover or a fighter, and Drew Barrymore was like, well, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And Keanu's like, no, you got to be a fighter because what do you know what's worth fighting for if you don't know what you love? What, what type of love do you have if you're not going to fight for it? And, you know, that's just Keanu being, you know, Keanu. But, uh, yeah, he got all upset. He's like, you can't say that. That's so unchristian. And it's like, listen, man, I know you don't like to look at certain parts of the Bible, but there were a lot of warriors, and there were a lot of warriors that did what God said too. And um, you have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to, you know, get ugly sometimes. What's all this to say? What's all this to say? You, you, you got to know when to also pick your fights. And um, I'm done with the political fights. It's just I'm not, I'm not doing that. And that, that was basically the, the post-libertarian episode. But today, the title is Post Parlor. I really have thought about how I was going to do this, but I think I'm going to go ahead and do it this way. Uh, figured out that some individuals avoided their NDAs, therefore freeing myself up to discuss certain details. 
I know on this show I have not spoken about it much because um, I was contractually obligated not to because they gave me money not to talk bad about the company. But I'm not going to talk bad about Parler. I am going to talk about what happens when you get involved with people who tell you one thing and end up doing something else. Um, I have been dealing with, and it's ironic that's almost a year to the date, um, the past year has been a, a year of revelation for me because it showed me a lot of really inconvenient truths. It brought me into some really extremely low moments, but it also brought me back in a way in which I saw things clearer than I've ever seen them before. And, you know, like the proverbial phoenix, I rose up and I think I'm doing pretty well for myself. But to say that I haven't had sleepless nights, to say that I haven't had moments that really, um, for lack of a better words, trigger certain anxieties, uh, that, that would be a lie. And, uh, the truth is, is that I left Parler because an individual who was neither a majority investor or uh, cons- or actual consultant with the company, who I will not name, uh, was basically my quote-unquote boss. I was a public employee. I was actually on the payroll. I was the director of outreach for Parler. I left a very comfortable job at the Washington Times, despite some not-so-great circumstances uh, regarding company decisions, like they cut all the employee salaries by 10%, when in fact they took um, government money in order to prevent a, uh, you know, a downsizing of the workforce. They took the money, and then they still cut our salaries. Um, but I, you know, I, I would have stayed. I was loyal. I loved my job in the media. But uh, you know, I left that, and I went to go work for Parler, uh, in the summer of 2020 because I saw what it was like dealing with big tech, dealing with an environment where you could play by the rules, but the rules are written by people that don't like you. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to fight for free speech and a free and open internet. And uh, I thought that going to Parler was the best thing I could do. And the um, July, August, September, October, November, the like five and a half months I was there, were the absolutely worst days of my life. One second. Uh, I, I got to drink something. I'm not drinking alcohol, ironically. <laughs> I've, dr- I've, 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 gotten, I've gotten kind of boozed up for lesser topics. I'm drinking caffeine to keep myself up. But, uh... It, it, was a, it was a job where I was working six to seven days a week from the moment I woke up until everyone else at the company fell asleep whenever that was because some people refused to sleep. Um, I dealt with people who, were here, who I thought were my personal heroes who turned out to be horrifying villains. I encountered people who really made me question whether or not I knew what a sociopath was. I was blackmailed, I was threatened, I was stalked, I was cyberbullied, I was in just uh, the eye of the hurricane. 
on all fronts, from the right wing, from the left wing. Everyone wanted their chunk of flesh. And um, there were some individuals that saw Parler as a couple different things. One of them was a social experiment. Another was a business. And then you saw uh, a few individuals who saw it as a way to personally enrich, enrich their own wealth, power, and influence. And that's when this individual came in. This individual came in about a year before, well, not even a full year. Uh, let's, say, let's say six months before I came on. And he basically uh, swindled his way into a uh, hidden position of influence when it suited him. And long story short, this, uh, this individual had plans to basically, um, you know, try and accumulate as much, uh, as much influence within the company so he could basically, you know, run away with as much cash as possible. And um, after dealing with this individual and then bringing uh, the attention of this situation to former Parler CEO John Mates, uh, a decision was basically made, and uh, I, I lost. They, they kept the other guy, and they got to the point where they were like, you know, we can't really fire you. You refuse to quit, so here's a bunch of money, and uh, go go about your go about your life. Screw you. And I was like, you know what? I hope one day we can have something as beautiful as what we thought Parlor could be, but it's not going to be with you people, and it won't be this company. And if this is how this is being operated, if if these are the type of people we're going to surround ourselves with, uh. It's, it's time to leave. And I took the money and I walked away and I signed a contract. Uh, John Mates voided everything about a month and a half later because he ended up getting kicked out, uh, hostile takeover by the one gentleman I mentioned who uh, um, was basically conniving behind the scenes to try and do a hostile takeover. And uh, later he, he even got booted. But uh, still hear his name sometimes. I still hear people talk about you know, this, uh, this dark and shadowy figure who's secretly wealthy, possibly a genius, all these things. Um, closest thing to a real-life Bond villain I've ever met. I could tell you that. Uh, I, I would be yelled at and threatened and just, I mean, this guy made my life a living hell. I, uh, I still hear his voice in the back of my head sometimes. This person would call me at 3 a.m. and come up with like the wildest conspiracies about other employees and stuff like that. I mean, it was, it, it was miserable. So I leave that situation on my birthday and immediately I'm like, you know, I'm free. It can't get any worse. And then January 6 happens. And just as I'm trying to get back into the flow of things, I'm trying to find work as I'm trying to get my life together. because 2020 completely wrecked everything. Um, you know, the whole debacle of Parlor getting taken down and all that stuff, it, uh, it made things worse because now I'm not getting interviewed for jobs because they, I'm not qualified. Now I'm not getting interviewed for jobs because who's going to hire the former Parlor guy? Even though I was gone, uh, I had nothing to do with any of the stupid shit that went down. And in Parlor's defense, they, all the stuff the FBI accused them of, the FBI even admitted, yeah, seems like we may have jumped the gun. Uh, we, we, we may have made some accusations that weren't there.
But uh, that's neither here nor there. Long story short, when there were some people who interviewed me just to try and get dirt on the company and stuff like that, and I was like, I don't, I don't roll that way. But um, it, it was an opportunity for me to deal with a lot of stress and to really assess what I was going to do with my life because having gone from politics to media to then being kind of like an activist entrepreneur in the tech sector, it, um, it really made me understand how people think in terms of their impact. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where the most impactful people in my life were not the big names that you may think I know. And I know a lot of big names. They weren't people of blue check marks. They weren't millionaires. They weren't the people who could traditionally save you from getting canceled. These weren't the people that had the big hookups. What I had to do is I had to reevaluate at the end of the day, who are the people who are going to help me when I can barely help myself? And the truth is, um, is, is that I have far fewer friends now in my personal life than I may have thought I had a year ago or two years ago now. Because post-parlor, I really had to assess who is going to help me when I can't help myself. And the truth is, it was people who I didn't even reach out to. They were people who reached out to me to ask, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? What do you need? It was those people. Um, you know, post-parlor, I had uh, the, the great opportunity to basically say that at the age of uh, 25 at the time, that uh, 25, 26, that, uh, you know, I was the director of outreach for a, you know, for a multi-million dollar company. But, you know, I, I also had to fill the time because of that scarlet letter on my resume. So that's when I started actually building up a business. That's when I actually started, you know, working with long-term clients and, and building a referral base and developing my portfolio and my own skills. Because let me tell you, the, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to me is to have nothing to work on. Ah, one second. The worst thing for me is to be bored. Um, so, you know, because of the space, you know, I was working on those things. I was developing my skills because I, I understood that irregardless as to how bad things were now, I had two choices. I could either hide and be catatonic and just be fearful of everything or I could wait things out and fight my way through the day-to-day -day bullshit to help myself. And the truth is, is that I did two things that really, I think, set me up for my eventual move to Wisconsin and for everything I've done since. One, um, I took time off and I traveled a lot to get out of the Beltway area primarily because I just need a change of scenery. I need to get out of, you know, the headwind of everything going on in D.C. And, uh, you know, I traveled to Indiana, went to North Carolina, spent some time in Pennsylvania, Maryland, 
Um, you know, just drove around, flew around a lot. It was good because I needed a break because, um, you know, while that a break is technically, quote, not working, I was still doing stuff. I was exploring. I was still making content. It just wasn't related to, like, work stuff and making money. And uh, that, that really, that, that's something I, I do more often now. Like, I take mini trips on the weekends and stuff like that. You guys have heard me talk about that type of stuff. I, I do it you know, as a, as a way of therapy, because if I don't get out of my own physical space, sometimes if I'm not doing something just for my own enjoyment, I go freaking crazy. It's why I love jujitsu so much. It's why I go so often, because for me, that is my time. I do it for me. I don't have to share it with anyone else. I'm not gonna, you know, it, I can't put it on a resume. It's just one of those things that I do for me. So that, that was one thing that I, I gained from that post-parlor experience it was an appreciation for my my own self-care but secondly um, as, as I mentioned earlier I, I also just didn't stop working I knew that if I had just stayed in that pit of despair that I was stuck in I mean th- there, there were days where I really thought is this the end of my career will I ever be able to live a functional life. And honestly, guys, other than shit on social media, life kind of just stayed the same. The most cautious and apprehensive person was me most of the time. And, uh, you know, like, obviously the show got hit because got taken off YouTube, Facebook group got taken down. I mean, it, you know, obviously, for the long-time listeners, you know that obviously, you know, the, the show took a hit from that, especially when Parlor got taken down. But, um, you know, it, it really it, it really forced me to ask the question. It's like, am I going to let this be the end of me or am I going to fight for tomorrow? And let me tell you guys, I was – and I still have a very distinguished 9-to-5 job now – But if you had told me a few months before I got hired that this is what I was going to be doing, I would have told you I'll be lucky if I'm working at all. Uh, You know, I've I've said on many occasions that uh, one of of the jobs I had the last couple of years was was working at a warehouse for about a month and a half. Let me tell you, man, working at a warehouse part-time for 15 bucks an hour, I thought, wow, if I could just do this for a few more months, maybe... It'll be enough time for people to forget who I was. And maybe I could have this be the clean start on my resume. Warehouse guy. Luckily, didn't have to do that too long. Interviewed in the middle of that and uh, ended up getting, getting the job I have now. But there, there, were, there were nights where I genuinely thought if I could just work a regular job where I could take care of myself and ba- pay my bills and move out of my parents' basement and everything else. If people could just look at me but not know my name nor care to learn it, maybe that'll be me. Maybe that'll be my version of a better version of today, just going about life silently and hopefully forgotten. But that's not who I am. There's too much shit to do in life. There are too many things I want to continue to do. Who is anybody to take that from me? 
whether it was the media on the left, whether it was grifters and jerks on the right, whether it was people who were saying they were my friends but actively working against me. Who has the right to take my life from me? To take my dreams from me? No one. And that was probably the biggest lesson I took from my post-parlor experience. It's that the only person that is going to destroy my happiness is going to be me because I'm not going to let anyone else freaking do it. And I don't care if you bring all the armies of hell to take me down. I will not let anyone ever take my dreams from me. No one has the right to do that. Now, was what happened to Parler in the events that preceded January 6th, was that appropriate? Of course not. That was a, obviously a coordinated attack by Apple, by Amazon, by every other company involved who attacked that company. That was intentional. But the company was always going to end up where it's basically ended up now, which is irrelevant. Irrelevance. I mean, Candace Owens' husband is now in charge, and now they're trying to get into the NFT space and everything else, but it'll always be the, a dead platform, a ghost. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think I told you all, I went on my parlor account right before uh, Christmas. 28,000 people. I used to, a lot of you came here because you found me on Parler. Parler was my number one source for everything. It really like skyrocketed the show's uh, downloads. And I mean, when it was great, it was freaking great. But now, well, back when it's still, when the profile was still there, uh, you know, th- thousands of people used to see my post. By the time I deleted it, maybe like four or five people because now it's just automated RSS feeds and bots and honestly, like kind of racist people running around there making the whole thing shitty and people spamming the con- the comments of porn. Like, you know, I kept it, I kept my profile up for the longest time because I kept saying, well, what if, what if I'm wrong? What if they come back and then everyone else comes back and I've got this giant platform here that works really hard to build but but then I realized, even if that was the case, would I want to go ahead and exist in the space and utilize a space used by people who used me and made me feel terrible? And that when I did nothing wrong and I was trying to do something to protect the company, that they chose the problem over the solution? I mean, I know that karma's a bitch, but, I mean, karma came for John Mates in, like, a month. And that shit hit hard for him. He, he, I mean, he's in so many lawsuits with people. That dude went on Fox News, like, the day after he got canned. And um, I'm not going to say anything else about John Mates because he's gone silent because what he realized was that uh, all the people he thought were his friends weren't his friends either. And at the end of the day, when he thought he was on top of the world, he could treat people terribly and it would never come back to bite him. I hope John 
for the sake of his wife and his daughter could move on and have a good life. I don't hate John Mates. I don't. I don't even hate that bastard who will not be named, who, who caused everything, because he did me the biggest favor in my entire life. He put me through hell and caused me to make decisions I thought I would never make. And because of it, I came out stronger, wiser, and smarter, despite his worst intentions to try and make my life difficult. At the end of the day, I'm still putting my name out there and my face out there. I'm still developing myself as a person and trying to develop others, like many of you who listen, to try and live a better life. It could have been any job. It could have been anything. But the lessons remain. You know, I I, I think it's... I, I've been I've been making fun of New Year's resolutions. I've been making, you know, little quips out of people that try and be like, oh, New Year, new me. But I I think I'm kind of falling on that sword a bit because already we're a few weeks into January and all I've been able to talk about is the past year, my own, re- you know, reflections and everything, my own recollections of the lessons I learned and the the moments that brought me to where I am. A year went by and I really didn't feel the weight of it until maybe just a couple days ago. And um, I wanted to talk to you about this because I, I wanted to be vulnerable and let you know that it, things have not always been okay. And, uh, you know, 2020 was harsh, but 2021 was, was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And um, there were many situations especially in a, you know, like February, March, April, around that time where I genuinely thought about canceling the show. And um, I thought, you know, it's, it's never going to rebound. And I don't know if we'll ever see numbers like we used to. I hope we do. But what I realized was that, you know, the, this became less of just a, a promotional opportunity and it became an opportunity to form community it became an opportunity to put my thoughts out there and remind others, or at least myself, that, you know, we can have these conversations, we can have convictions, but we can also allow ourselves to live out the rest of our lives. That's why On the Run covers so many different topics. That's why we just have fun sometimes. That's why we have the degenerate panel. That's what, you know, to, to make us laugh. That's why we bring on guests to talk about important issues because, you know, life is about joy as much as it is about sadness. In life, you feel hate as much as you feel love, but you have to allow yourself to be open to feel all those things to understand that, um, you know, while emotion is part of you, it doesn't always have to be the thing that drives you. You can make the best decisions you can based off the experiences and the knowledge you've obtained. I thought post-parlor I was going nowhere with my life and that my life was going to be utterly miserable. But the truth is, is that things got better. And the stories of the things that I will do for myself and for others won't change. For the worse, they will only get better over time. And that through the darkest periods of your life, you don't have to see those as the final chapter. 
you can just see them as a low point in your hero's journey to move on and freaking slay dragons and save yourself and your loved ones and other people by making yourself into the hero you were meant to be. I feel so much better than I did at the beginning of this episode. (laughs) And I hope you've enjoyed listening to my life as much as I enjoy living it. We'll be back every Monday and Thursday. Good night.